You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. there. Peter believed what he was saying. You wonder why people don't get saved when you talk to them? Maybe we're not talking with conviction. Maybe we're not, maybe when people, when we talk to people about the Lord, they go, in their mind, you don't really believe what you're saying. You know, they see something in you, a timidity. They see it in you and you're not really bold enough. You're not, you're not convicted enough. Well, you really don't believe it. Why should I believe it? Do people see a confidence in you when you speak about the Lord? Do people see a confidence in you when you speak about the Lord? In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches you to ask the Holy Spirit for boldness when you share the gospel with others. You need to show conviction and that you truly believe what it is you are sharing. Don't be timid. Speak with boldness. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 4 as he begins his message, The Deliberation. Continue our study in the book of Acts, so you open up your swords, Bibles, Acts chapter 4. Today we're going to be looking at verses 13 and 14, verses 13 and 14 in Acts chapter 4. So turn there, please. Okay, Acts 4, verses 13 and 14, I'll read aloud if you could read along silently, please. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And I realized I made a mistake because in that scripture, the word is perceived. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived. How many of you are familiar with the franchise, the TV franchise, Law and Order? You better raise your hand. It's a Law and Order junkie right here. In fact, there was a time, no matter where I was, when I walked in the door, she was in front of the TV watching Law and Order. I mean, she kept on saying, why don't they make a Law and Order channel? Oh, I said, why should they? It's on every single channel, every single time of the day. She would watch it. I don't care what time of the day it was, she would find a Law and Order to, to watch. So, but it's been on for many years. You know, it's been on for a lot of years. You know, they even have a spinoff, a brand new one this year called Law and Order Los Angeles. The formula for the series is the same. It never changes. It's exactly the same. They follow the same format every time you see the show. They have a crime. There's an arrest. There's usually an interrogation. This leads to a trial, and then there's some deliberation by either a judge or a jury, and there's a verdict. Simple, but it works. They've been doing this now for years and years and years. But anyhow, in our study of chapter 3 and 4 in the book of Acts, we see this format taking place. We've been studying this. It's a similar scenario. Peter and John have been accused of a crime against the Jewish law, and they've been arrested. They were put in jail overnight during their trial by the Sanhedrin. And remember, we discussed the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the Jewish high council, and it's comprised of Pharisees and Sadducees. 
But they were interrogated. And it's interesting, the interrogation was only one question. That's what the interrogation consisted of. And we found that in Acts 4, verse 7. By what power or name have you done this? It was a setup. There was a reason why they asked that question. They had all the intentions of finding them guilty of a crime that, according to their law, they've committed. But having heard everything that Peter had told the crowd, and then hearing for themselves Peter's explanation, in his own words in Acts 4, verses 8 through 12, the council is now ready to deliberate. They're ready to deliberate and determine Peter and John's fate. If these men are found guilty, they can face death. They can face death. I call this message the deliberation. So what does it mean to deliberate? What does it mean to deliberate? To deliberate is to think with deliberate purpose and with often formal discussion before reaching a decision. Simple, right? It means to weigh carefully or to consider or to study intentionally and to weigh in your mind. When you're in deliberations, it means that you use all of your senses to see, to hear, to follow and even smell sometimes what's going on as you deliberate these things. Look at the synonyms for the word deliberate. Chew over, cogitate, consider, contemplate, debate, ponder, entertain, eye, kick around, mediate, mull over, propend, pour over, question, revolve, ruminate, study, think about, turn, weigh, wrestle. A lot of words to say deliberate. But the council is now facing a dilemma. The council has a dilemma before them. Having heard Peter's words in his defense, they now must deliberate and render a decision based on the facts that they see before them. You know, in a courtroom, deliberations are supposed to be done without bias, without prejudice. We know all too well that that's not going to happen in this courtroom. You know, that this courtroom, there's a stacked deck against the apostles. We know that from our former studies about this council, that a jealousy exists towards the people of the way towards the people who are following Jesus, namely the apostles. There was a jealousy that existed there. The council was more interested in keeping their own power rather than seeing justice done. They were more interested in keeping their traditions and their religious rights than listening to the word of God. The council decided that what they decided was more important than what God wanted to do. This can be a hang-up for us as well. When the traditions of men are more important than the word of God, we find ourselves on the wrong path. When we want to please man instead of pleasing God, we are always in the wrong way, and it leads to trouble. Pleasing man instead of pleasing God leads to trouble. I read a book once all about this, Pleasing Man. And it basically the title was, When Man is Big, God is Small. When we place more emphasis on what man wants than what God wants, God becomes very small in our eyes, and man becomes larger than life, and we start to fear what they might think or what they might do. But the case that we have before you, the facts speak for themselves. It's quite obvious to all who gathered for the trial that their standing before them was a man who once was lame, and now he walks. That's the facts. Everybody can see that the man is now walking. Walking. In fact, the scripture says he's leaping and he's so happy that he's walking now, first time in over 40 years that he actually is made whole. He's not only leaping and walking, he's praising God. He's praising God for his goodness and praising God for being made whole. He's standing right now. In fact, the scripture says he's clinging to Peter and John in the midst of the council because guess what? He's on trial too. He's on trial. That's how important this council is. 
It's quite obvious that Peter's explanation has what had happened. It's quite obvious because the number of believers grew from 3,000 to 5,000 after Peter said what had happened to this man and how this man was made whole. The facts were visible to everyone. Everyone except the Sanhedrin. So they had to deliberate. They had to see things. And when they deliberated, they came to five conclusions about the men who were standing before them. These five conclusions are found in these verses today. And we're going to look at these five conclusions that the Sanhedrin came up with. The first conclusion they came with was by the way of seeing. Remember I said deliberate means you use your senses. They saw within these men boldness. The scripture says in verse 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, how did the council see boldness? What was the difference about these men? What did they now see in these men that led them to this conclusion? The Greek word for boldness is parousia, and this implies assurance or confidence. One of the dictionary's definitions of boldness is willing to, be, to risk shame or rejection, having courage or bravery. Remember when we talked about the dilemma that the disciples faced? They faced a very big dilemma. When they were asked, by what name or what power do you do this in? Did this man heal? They know that if they say a name other than Jehovah, according to the law of the Jews, that they could be put to death. We studied that. That's in Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 to 5. The law says no healing can be done except in the name of Jehovah. Their healing was done in the name of Jesus but Jesus means Jehovah is salvation, Yeshua. But the council couldn't buy that. They couldn't see that. But the council saw this boldness in them. There was something different about them. We explained that the difference was, according to Scripture, the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, verse 38, it says, Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. How did the council see this? What was it about Peter that led them to this conclusion? What did they see? How do you see boldness? I think all the council knew the story of Peter. I think it was a small town, Jerusalem, and I'm sure everybody was whispering and talking about one of these guys who denied his master, denied his disciple or his, uh, his Lord three times. Not once, but three times. So I'm sure everybody knew about it. They knew the man standing before him, and they probably thought he was a coward. Coward because, you know, when you were asked if you knew this guy, you said, no, I don't know Jesus. You remember the story. But standing in front of him now is a totally different person. Peter is a new creation in Christ. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter had been given the power by the Holy Spirit now to be a witness for Jesus. This doesn't come naturally. This comes supernaturally. It's something that only the Holy Spirit can do. Remember what Jesus said to the apostles and those that had gathered, the 120? He said to them, wait in Jerusalem till you receive power from on high. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, Why? So you will be witnesses for me. That's why the Holy Spirit is on us. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. It's supernatural. Look what it says in Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee when no one pursues. The righteous are bold as a lion. Peter has been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. Peter is now standing upon the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Paul writes about this righteousness to the church of Philippi. He said in Philippians 3, verse 8, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do not count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, 
the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Peter knew this. Peter knew what it was like to have this righteousness. Peter knew what the outcome of this trial could be. Peter knew that by saying what he said, it could lead to his death, and he was ready to accept that at this time. Why? Because it was more important for those who were unsaved to hear Peter's words than Peter's life was to him. Remember we talked about that? Remember we had that discussion as what would you do to have someone you love saved? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. We said, were you willing to face death so that a loved one of yours might be saved? We talked all about that. Peter was. Peter says, physical life? Ah, I got the spirit in me. I want these people to know Jesus. Peter was willing to risk everything he had. We've seen this Peter in action before. We've witnessed this before, folks. Remember chapter 2, day of Pentecost? Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden he starts speaking in the temple. And he tells all the people gathered what they heard, the sound of the rushing wind, and what they saw and heard with the tongues of fire. He told them, and he spoke boldly. And guess what? 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. 3,000. This is the same Peter who said, I don't know him. I don't know him. And then he cursed. I don't know him and cursed so the people think he wasn't Christ's apostle. The same Peter with boldness. That boldness doesn't come naturally. You can't work that up. You can't work that up in the flesh. Peter's not the same coward he used to be. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he exhibits this boldness, a boldness that can only come from God. Again, in Proverbs 14, 26, we read, In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. This reverent fear, this awe that Peter has for his Lord, never wanting to fail him again, causes Peter to display such boldness, a boldness that can only come from trusting in God. You can't muster this up. You can't sit there today, today I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be bold. Until you walk out the door and then, yeah, not so bold. You can't muster this up. David knew about this boldness, the psalmist, the king. In Psalm 56, when he was captured by the Philistines in Gath, he says this in Psalm 56, 3 and 4, and again in 10 and 11, he said, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I will put my trust. I will not fear. Here's the kicker. What can flesh do to me? Peter is standing before this group who held his life in his hands. And all he had to do was say the words that would make them happy. All he had to do was renounce his Savior, Jesus Christ, and they would have said, great. And nothing would have happened to him. But he takes the other way. He takes the way of boldness, this righteous boldness that he has, and he declares that in the name of Jesus Christ was this man healed. In the name and faith through his name made this man whole. And you see him before you today knowing that these were the very words that they wanted to hear, the very words that they could tie the noose around his neck to hang him. This is the confidence that Peter had. This was the confidence that the council witnessed. But they also witnessed a sincerity and a conviction in his voice. There was a conviction there. Peter believed what he was saying. You wonder why people don't get saved when you talk to them? Maybe we're not talking with conviction. Maybe we're not. Maybe when people, when we talk to people about the Lord, they go in their mind, you don't really believe what you're saying. You know, they see something in you, a timidity. They see it in you, and you're not really bold enough. You're not, you're not convicted enough. Well, you really don't believe it. Why should I believe it? Do people see a confidence in you when you speak about the Lord? When you tell people of Christ, do they see that conviction? Do they see that sincerity? 
Do they believe what you're saying is true? Can people tell a difference between your old life and your new life you have in Christ? Is there visible evidence that in your life that says, I'm a Christian? Is there visible evidence that says, I'm a Christian, not just coming to church? We talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think. What is a Christian? We talked about that. Not just coming to church, not even just reading your word. There's so much more to it. We talked about that. Can you say, I'm a believer? I'm trusting in the one true living God. If all your answers to these questions are no, don't fret. Don't be concerned. Pray. Ask the Holy Spirit for boldness. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh so that you can do these things. He's going to give you the insurance. So the first conclusion that the council comes to is they saw Peter's boldness. What did they do with this conclusion? (laughs) This conclusion led them to another conclusion. They saw Peter's boldness and they perceived. They perceived. And perceived means to become aware of through one's senses, especially seeing also means to take into their mind. They saw Peter's boldness, and they immediately thought, this guy is crazy. This guy standing before me is nothing but a country bumpkin. He must live in Cape May. He's crazy. This guy's a heck. What does he know? Look at verse 13 as we continue. And perceive that they were uneducated and untrained men. This boldness that Peter has leads these guys to perceive Something that's not quite right here. Something is strange here. These men should not be displaying this kind of boldness. These men should be cowering in front of us because, after all, we have the power to send them to death. But they're not. They're standing there. They stood there, and they acted in boldness. These men had no formal religious education. They were untrained men. Most of them were fishermen. No offense, fishermen. But the council was right in one expect. They were fishermen. They didn't have any education as we know it. They weren't formally trained in religious education. They probably had no education at all. But this was a false perception because for three years, 24-7, they spent time with Jesus Christ. Three years, 24-7, they were with Jesus Christ. They watched him. They observed him. Can you imagine what happened around the campfire after everybody was gone? Can you imagine him sitting around the campfire and Jesus continuing the lessons? You know, Jesus was a premier teacher. He taught constantly. He never missed an opportunity to teach and to demonstrate his love. He was preparing them and constantly preparing them. Everything he did, everything he did was an example to them, example to them that they should know. He never stopped teaching, but he prepared them well. They may have not had the finest education that the council had, the religious upbringing that the council had, but they were taught by the author and finisher of our faith. They were taught by the Lord of Lords. They were taught by the King of Kings. They were taught by the Messiah. Now, Paul explains this strange phenomenon that's happening that the council was experiencing. When they look at Peter and say, they're nothing but country bumpkins, how can they talk that way? Remember, Peter was quoting Scripture left and right. Peter was, and he was applying it correctly. He was quoting Scripture like, like, like it was just second thought to him. But Paul, when he writes to the Corinthian church, says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. In 1 Corinthians 1.27. If you don't think God uses foolish things in the world to confound the wise, then you better not be looking at me. Because I represent one of the foolish things of the world that God has chosen for some reason to use. It's foolishness. But God says, no, it's what I want to make you to be. You ever look at somebody and make a false impression? False perception of who they are? It's a great story about false perceptions. 
I want to share it with you. There was this doctor who went to church on a regular basis. He would dress in his Sunday finest, and he would go to church, and he would find the pew that he always sat in, and he would sit there every Sunday, never miss a Sunday. One day, he was in his pew one Sunday, and he was sitting there, and this young man was sitting across from him in another pew. He looked over to the man. The man was disheveled. The man was dirty, had some dirty clothes on, had some tattoos, had some piercings. Hair was kind of ragged and scruffy. He looked over there and said, what's that guy doing in my church? What's that guy doing around me? He's probably some sort of a dealer or a junkie or some sort of a, a guy who drinks. He has no business in my church. And this bothered the doctor through the entire service. The entire service, he sat there and he was disgusted at this person who was sitting there. After service, as the church cleared, the doctor got up and he kind of fixed himself. He looked over and the man was gone. But there was a book lying on the pew. He walked over there, looked at it. It was a Bible. The Bible was all beaten, worn. Pages were falling out. He picked it up. He started going through it. Everything was highlighted. There was all kinds of notes in the uh, edges, all kinds of stuff. He started looking through this, and he went, oh, my gosh. This person knew the Bible better than he did. This person had a true relationship with Jesus Christ. This person had written so profound things in here that he couldn't believe that the notes on the side and the scribblings that this person had written, and all of a sudden he got convicted to the heart. He got convicted to the heart because he made a false impression, and he judged the person. Then he ran outside, he looked around, and the guy was gone. He came back in, had the Bible, and he sat down in his pew. He started to pray. He started to ask for forgiveness for his judgmentalness. He started to ask for forgiveness that the Lord would restore him. And you know, when you, when you ask for those kind of things, the Lord doesn't happen to do that right away. He always gives you an opportunity to show that. Because when you ask for patience, you know, we ask for patience all the time. The Lord never gives you patience. But he gives you an opportunity to show patience. So as he was praying, he felt somebody's presence. And he turned around, and there was the man. There was the man. He stood up, and he said, I think this is yours. And he told the kid, or man, what had happened. He told him everything that happened, everything that he experienced. And he asked for the guy's forgiveness. And they hugged and they prayed together. And the guy left church changed completely. The doctor left church changed completely. We've got to be careful of false perceptions. When we look at somebody and we perceive in our mind what they are and who they are, we've got to be very, very careful with that. We've got to be careful that we don't fall into a judgment category. We don't start looking at things the way the world views things. We've got to look at things the way Jesus sees things. We've got to look at things with spiritual eyes. You know, I love that verse that says, unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, in verse uh, John 3.3. 3. And that's a twofold meaning. If you're not born again, you will not see the kingdom in the end days, that's for sure. You will not see heaven. But I also believe it means that you cannot see spiritual things in your life if you're not born again. You cannot recognize the spirit for what it is. Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You are Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. 
You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique, God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on A Sure Hope.